For those of you visiting or first time or, or been out for a few Sundays or whatever, this is like number four in our series of uh, core values of Renaissance Church. And there's a lot to be learned about church, but also about individually, of what, uh, might, what might need to happen in your life. And I'll talk about that in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, let me give you this. This is in the program. Every, of course, it's on our website, uh, renaissancechurch.org, but it's in the program every Sunday. Uh, creative forms. We believe that God's essential nature is creative and fosters creativity. Thus, we seek to be imaginative, innovative, and artistic in our approach to ministry together. And um, creation, creativity comes in many forms. And uh, I'm going to, in a moment, just briefly hit on some of those because one of my struggles was getting beyond the fact that you have to be artsy to be creative. And the truth is, God created us all. In, in a creative way. And I'm going to show you some of that in just a moment. But I'm going to get Steve to come back up first. He's our creative arts director and um, always has... Yeah, yeah give, him a, give him a hand. Yeah, what the heck. Always has an interesting, different, in a good way, take on, on, on different things when you talk to him about different issues, but especially things in the Bible. And I want to begin... Um, I need to push you over this way. Push you this way? Because... For lighting. For lighting? Since this is about creativity. Yeah. Never did. We had to get the lighting right. Yeah, we, I know. I never have understood, you know, never have understood that, that whole lighting thing. Anyway, who wants to see me? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> creativity in the Bible. Uh, you are obviously, I will say this is a judgmental statement, but that's okay. Uh, you're one of the few creative guys, one of the few, how do I say this? There are often guys in your position in many churches who have no clue what the Bible teaches. You're not one of them, and, uh, which, is, which is really great, I think. So um, creativity in the Bible. Give us just sort of a, a, a quick take on that. Where do you find creativity in the Bible? Well, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize uh, that the Bible is in many ways a book of stories and a book of poetry. And uh, if you think about the, the history of the world in the context of the times in which the Bible was written, you know, which was over you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, that stories and poetry were pretty much state-of-the-art artistic communication. Uh, they didn't have film back then. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, you know, they used stories. They used uh, poetry. You have, we have the Book of Psalms, which was really the first great... Uh, David was being the first great songwriter uh, before McCartney, right, and and Lennon. Um, We have uh, Jesus who said, you know, when he was trying to to communicate what what God had in mind for us, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this, or he told parables to illustrate his point. And so the... To me, I look at Scripture not as just a book of rules or a book of, a book of history. It's certainly those things. It's a book of encouragement. It's a book of redemption. But it's also a book of art, of creativity. And, and how does that affect, I mean, what you do, what we do here at Renaissance? How does that, how does that work together? Yeah, I want to read a couple things, if that's all right. Yeah. And I'm going to add one from last service. Is that uh, right? the ones this, is, this is just too they're, good. To, they're, they're really, the one that I saw last service was great, so you got something else. Um, yeah. I got rid of that one. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> we like to mess with each other. Uh, the, the, the first one is from Martin Luther, who's one of my favorite characters uh, in history. And he said, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. She is a mistress and governess of those human emotions which control men or more often overwhelm them. 
Whether you wish to comfort the sad, subdue frivolity, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, what more effective means than music could you find? Uh, I think that uh, you could really substitute really any area of the arts for music in that in that uh, statement, because some people will respond to music. Other people may respond to a painting or to a spoken word. Um, I want to read something that Paul wrote. This is from the book of Acts in chapter 17. And he was talking to a bunch of philosophers in Athens, and he was sharing his faith with them. They, they would get together and talk about uh, philosophy and uh, uh, meaning and the, the search for meaning and search for truth. And Paul, uh, it's a long passage. I'm, I'm just going to read a, par- uh, a portion of it. But Paul was sharing his faith to these guys. And it's really interesting to me how he did it. That's kind of what I want to zero in on. So this is Acts 17, 24. He says, the, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And here's the, here's the part I want to point out. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And what's really interesting to me is that Paul went into this culture that was a pagan culture. He didn't agree with really anything that they were doing. In fact, they were worshiping all these different gods, and uh, you know, Paul could have very easily walked in there and said, you know what, let me tell you where you guys have it wrong, pretty much everything. And instead, he came in, and uh, even before this passage, he started complimenting them on how serious they are about, about uh, uh, their faith in all these different gods. And he, in order to, uh, to get his point across, he used poetry at the very end. He quoted two different poets. And what's interesting to me is he didn't quote the Old Testament. He didn't quote the Bible. He quoted secular poets. And what that says to me is that Paul was willing to engage in the culture and not just judge it in, in communicating his, his message. And I think so many churches uh, today and in the past, it's not just today, uh, have instead chosen to judge culture and say, here's where you have it all wrong. Now let me tell you what I believe. And, and that's just not a very effective way to communicate, in my view. So, so what we do, to answer your question, yeah. what, do we, what, do we do? <laughs> what do we do here at Renaissance? We engage with the culture. We, we pick music that, that uh, tries to speak to where people live uh, and, and how they uh, go about their lives. And we, uh, we do multimedia, we do graphic arts, and in the future, I think we're going to be doing a, a lot more stuff. How about my quotes? And your quotes? My quotes. Isn't that artistic? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that answer. Whenever he's passing... I agree sure. with you. Yeah, no. no, seriously, seriously, um, this verse, um, and I didn't, I didn't realize he was going to use that, this is one of the verses that really got me into looking in other places to support scriptural teaching, just... just to relate to people and so forth with different quotes of literature and, and great minds and so forth. So that's it's a, great, it's a great passage. You got another one. You got something else you're going to do? Uh, well, okay. I have another one. Yeah. I thought you said you had an extra one this time. I did. You okay. hear Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I was asking you. Yeah. It's okay. You go ahead. At the clock, I, I did look at the clock. Yes. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I'll read it really fast. Okay. <laughs> I, I love church history and, and uh, one of the... Th- 
there's just so many colorful characters and, and just great people that, that we, I know that in my own life, I just overlooked these guys for so long. And as I read back through history, there's, there's just some rich, wonderful things that, that are old, but they, they really relate to today. And this is a, a quote from Athanasius of Alexandria, who lived in the fourth century and was a, a big, important guy in the history of the church in terms of keeping us on track. And he wrote this. He's a theologian, but I think you can see he was also an artist. He's talking about God. He says, He is by nature invisible and incomprehensible, having his being beyond all created existence. God, by his own word, gave the universe the order it has, in order that since he is by nature invisible, men might be enabled to know him at any rate by his works. For often the artist, even when not seen, is known by his works. So by the order of the universe, one ought to perceive God, its maker and artificer, even though he be not seen with the bodily eyes. For God did not take his stand upon his invisible nature and leave himself utterly unknown to men. But as I said above, he so ordered creation that although he is by nature invisible, he may yet be known by his works. That's great. That actually goes along with a point that I'm going to make, as you know. That's why I so um, thanks. That's great. That's a great. That's a great. Uh, that's a great thought. All right, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. We we didn't end this way last time. That was a smooth ending. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. No. Oh, I know. What I was going to ask you. Was that jazz? What was that? Was that jazz? Fusion jazz? What do we call that? Yes. Light jazz? No. Okay. Okay, I'm just curious. I just thought I should be sipping something. I loved it. It was great. You know? I, don't want to, I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, a little water or something. Anyway, um, um, thank you. That was great, though. When that song was just terrific. I love that. Thanks, Steve. Um, we're smooth, aren't we? Um, creative forms. Listen, God is creative. This is, I just wanted very simply, very quickly, just hit this, very sim- as I say, very simply, very quickly for you. This is basic truth. I mean, this is very basic one might say this is as basic as, I don't know, maybe like catching a pop-up in the game or something. It's that basic, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't. <laughs> I alienated some friends in the last service. Anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go home and, and uh, watch the Friday night game of the Yankees-Mets. Um, anyway, basic truth. Here we go. We value creativity. I'll tell you why we value creativity. Three things. They're very simple. The first one is because God is the creator. God is the creator. Let me show you this. I'm going to read through. I'm going to skip through some of this, but I'm just, you'll get the, this is Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a lot here, but I just want you just just to see this very, very briefly. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then in verses 3 and 4 and 5, he talks about he, he, he creates light. He creates light and darkness. Into that verse, in verse, uh, verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came, marked the first day. Second day, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters from the heavens. And he goes through that. In verse 8, God called the space sky. Evening passed, morning came, marked the second day. Just created out of nothing. 
Then uh, verse, uh, that's the second day, the third day. Verse 9, God said, let the, waters, let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas. And, and then verse 12, the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. And the evening, and, and the evening passed, morning came, that marked the third day, fourth day. God said, let the lights appear, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them mark off the seasons, days and years. He goes on, verse 17, God set lights in the sky to light the earth, govern the, uh, to govern the day and night, to separate the light from the darkness, basically you know, the, the sun and the moon. God saw that it was good. Evening passed, morning came, marked the fourth day. Day five, only got two left. Verse 20, God said, let the, waters, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let skies be filled with birds of every kind. God created great sea creatures. And, you know, that's, and it goes on. So verse 22, then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply. Let the fish fill the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, morning came, marking the fifth day. You ever, you ever snorkel? Many of us have snorkeled just a little bit. I mean, it's just amazing, hasn't it? All the different, I mean, I, know, I had no idea the first time that I did that. I was like, gee whiz, I had no idea. Uh, just the other day, Charlene and I were in a place, and they had one of those big fish tanks, and these fish were just beautiful, and they were like, like paper thin, and, and some of them swam like this, and some of them swam like this, and some of them swam like this, and it was just amazing. I'm just, and you know, and I've seen it, but I'm just sitting here, I'm like, this is just amazing. God created this. I mean, what, a, what, a, what, a, what an imagination God had. It's just incredible. Uh, that's anyway. That's that's the uh, that's the the fish and, and 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 so forth. What is that's that's day five. All right, Set day six, the last day. God said, "Let the earth produce every sort of animal, producing each producing offspring of the same kind: livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals, all of which end up in Rich's backyard eating all of his stuff." Um, <laughs> That's just a side point. Verse 25, God made all sorts of wild animals. There they are. Uh, livestock and small animals and so forth. Verse 26, then God said, let, let us make human beings in our image. Here we go. Im- imago Dei, image of God. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Nothing else did he create in his own image other than human beings. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that great? Look, this is a great place, Renaissance Church. We have people with, with PhDs in paleontology. We have some PhDs in different kinds of science. And, and, and I don't care whether you read, these names may not mean anything to you. I don't care whether you read Hugh Ross or, or, um, or, or Henry Morris or, or uh, um, Genome, um, Language of God. Um, his name is just Francis um, Collins, um, last book I read on science. There's a lot of different views inside the whole family of Christianity, so to speak. A lot of different views on creation. And some say that, you know, it's seven or six 24-hour days. And, and some say, well, no, that's, that's not right. It's six-day it's six age, six ages. And some say, no, it's a big bang. And then somebody says, well, no, that's bad science. And somebody says, no, that's bad science. My view of that is... I never met a science book that I liked, so I, I don't know what's good and what's bad, you know? 
the whole concept of science camp. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? You know? Now, if they had debate camp, I would do that. But, but uh, maybe they do somewhere. But uh, it depends on your whole view on this. And I'll just tell you this. From my standpoint, being a, not a big detail guy, this is where it really helps me. Because I don't really care. Because I know one thing. However it happened, God did it. And this is, this is, this is the got to have you got to have. You can have whatever view. I hope it'll be thoughtful. I hope it'll be thought through. I hope it will be educated. It won't be just something you just grab hold of. You can have whatever you, you view you want, but I just want to, I want to appeal to you this. You really need to understand God did it. You know, you can believe in evolution as long as you put theistic in front of that word. Theistic, God, God brought man along, you know intelligent design, you know, lots of different views, the important view that we all must, I believe, have in common, according to the Bible at least, is that God is the creator. That's where we start. We value creativity because God is the creator. Second thing I want you to see, because, because God is the creator, there's a second thing, and, and this is what the, the, uh, the quote that Steve read has so much to do with. We value creativity because God is the creator and because creation reveals God. Creation reveals God. Watch this. I want to show you in Romans chapter 1. God shows, it starts off kind of negatively here, but it's, it's just really, it's really good truth. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because it's, it's made obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. The evidence of God, people, is in creation. And I don't know how much of creation you've seen. I've been fortunate. I've seen a lot. And I felt the presence of God on top of one of those 14ers, some of the Ivy, some of the Ivy Peaks in, in, in Colorado. Felt the presence of God one time in there when I got lost in a snowmobile somewhere between Vail and Aspen and the Outback and didn't have any clue where I was. But I felt God's presence, you know. Four or five guys were looking for me. They found me, by the way. <laughs> they didn't have nice things to say to me. But... Um, you could just see, you know, just looking out over all that creation. Man, God did this. I felt the presence of God in the bayous of Louisiana when you're there, and it's just nothing but you hear just, you know, gators jumping and, and crickets chirping and the whole thing. You can just, you know, I've even felt the presence of God in the middle of Kansas with all those wheels that go on and on and on and on. Have you ever driven through Kansas? My gosh. We used to have a game we'd play driving from, from Colorado back to either Alabama or Ohio, and that would be, let's try to hit Kansas at dusk and get out of there by daylight, and we'll never see Kansas in daylight. But anyway, and I did that a couple times. But, there, but even, 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 those, even those plains, you just, you know, the, those fields, you just, you can see the presence of God and feel the presence of in all of creation, wherever it is. And that's what these verses are saying here. It says, through everything God made, they can, he, he can be seen, his invisible attributes, so that, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. He goes on, by the way, in verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him, worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas for what God was like. And they, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Dark and confused. I know him, I think. You know him or her? 
Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, I know it's hard for you to imagine this because you say, yeah, that is pretty primitive when we see people who, who worship totem poles. Do you know anybody that might worship maybe money? Or maybe, you say, well, they don't really bow down to it. Well, let's... let's maybe that's just all that, maybe they're all consumed by it. Would that be the same thing? Or maybe it's, it's, it's people. Maybe it's, the point here is worshiping things created by God, by the creator instead of the creator. And, and I got to tell you, that's something that has been in any generation, uh, whether it be those who are worshiping just, you know, productivity or whether it be worshiping technology or materialism, and that's probably one of the things that most of us have to deal with the most, that whole area of materialism. By the way, did I tell you the new iPhone's coming out on my birthday? <laughs> the new iPhone's coming out on my birthday. Is that a sign from God? I mean, that's, a, that's my question. I mean, how, I mean, 365 days in the year, one day. Okay. People worshiping. That doesn't mean I can't buy a new one, by the way. Anyway. No, we, we have to stop and think where we are on this. Can't judge others, but we know where we stand, whether it be portfolios or jobs or even people sometimes. Um, we have to stop and think through that. We value creativity because God is our creator and also because creation reveals who God is. And as a result of that, my third thing, we value creativity because we do have a creator. We do have a creator. You say, okay. You've already said that. Yeah, I did. But I want to show you, speaking of, spoken word is one of the, one of the arts that I love. I, you've heard me say that before. I just love it, not just because I try, not that what I do is art, but I try hard. Um, but, you know, when I hear a good speaker, it just moves me. If he's really good, you know, I have this word that I use, he, he, you know, and that's, sometimes I use it. I'll go into a church service or a conference. I'll say, he better dazzle me. And I'm hard to dazzle, but I can still be dazzled. And I'm glad to know that. This guy's got to dazzle me. And you hear that, and you're like, wow, that's great. You know? And that's why, you know, quotes, and stuff, I love that. I've got, you know, I've got five apps on my iPhone that I can just sit somewhere if I'm waiting on someone or something and just look up apps. Just, you know, I got, I look, up, excuse, look up quotes. I've got all kinds of apps. Quote about this, quote about that. And I just love doing that. So it's entertainment to me. So, so this, this particular passage, though it's more than a quote because it's the Bible, which is obviously inspired by God, and we're going to talk more about that next week, um, um, this is, he takes us from, I'm just going to tell you this before we read it. He's going to take us from the creation of the world to personal responsibility, which is what creativity is about when it comes to God, right? Or at least in part, a large part of it. This is, this is just, I just, this is great. Colossians chapter one, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, supreme over all creation. Do you get that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For through Him, that's through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Jesus was right there in Genesis chapter 1. You say, no, 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 Jesus didn't come into, 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 into the Bible until Matthew 1 or, or Luke 2. Or, you know, no, no, Jesus has been as long as God has been, which has been eternal because he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the creator in Genesis chapter 1. And that's what this is telling us. Look, verse 17. 
He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. I would just stop here and get you to think about that for just a moment. He's first in everything. Is he first in your life? Only you can answer that question. Is he, pre- is he preeminent? Is he first? Is he, is he, is he the, the, the person you think about the most when it comes to how I should live and, and Lord, how should I handle this? And, and the fact that he's with me all the time. Is he, is he, is he first? Now, I'm going to show you. Keep reading. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. This is one of the great verses that show us that Jesus is God. Um, for through him God re- reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Here he takes us from Jesus being the creator to Jesus going to the cross to die for you and for me to make peace between those of us who've been hostile to God, which is all of us. I'll explain that more in a moment. The Bible will actually explain that more. To bring us and make peace between God and humankind. That's why Jesus came to earth as the Son of God. He was already here, but he came as Jesus in incarnate form. I'll put it that way to you, in, in terms of as a baby Jesus and then as a, as a man Jesus. Now, this next, next two verses are going to hold on for these, all right? Just buckle up and hang on. Next verse, verse 21. This includes you, this is you and me, all of us, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now he's talking about truth. You look at that verse and you say, wait a minute. Okay, maybe you're at this point. Maybe you, could, maybe you can say, I'm a follower of Christ. I have trusted Christ. I believe he lived I believe he suffered, I believe he died, I believe he rose again, and I've, I, I, I have faith in him. I have faith in who he is and what he says he will do. I, I, I believe, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, I'm there. But I don't know about this part here where it says, as a result, he brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You say, now, I, 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 and I know you well. I know many of you well enough to know you're not holy and blameless. Of course, the reverse of that is some of you know me well enough to say you're not holy and blameless either. None of us are. But see, that's not, he, he's talking about a truth. If I, could, if I could put it to you this way, he's talking about a truth that is like in the, in the court of heaven. Jesus has, God, this Father, through Jesus has declared you righteous once and for all. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect this life. Hopefully, Hopefully, you're going to keep working toward it, and as you, your journey of faith is going to take you a little further down each time, or a little further up, I should say, to get whether your life becomes more and more of a, of a reflection of, of God's love and his, and his values. But the point that he's making here is that in the eyes of God, you are righteous, not because you're trusting in your own works, your own whatever you're doing or being good, not because you're trying hard, as you heard a couple of weeks ago, but because you're trusting in who Jesus is and what he did for you. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, are we perfect? No. 
But hopefully that journey is taking us, hopefully every day the sun rises, and maybe it's noticeable outwardly, maybe not. What's important is, is what God sees inwardly, and then that's going, to reflect, that's going to reflect on the outside. Every day that the sun rises, you become a little more, even if it's just a little bit, of what Christ wants you to be. That's just such a great verse. We value creativity because God is the creator, because creation reveals God, and because you have a creator. And that is Jesus. Somebody said it to me this way, just this week. It's his universe, I'm just a guest. And that's true. It's his universe, I'm just a guest. You have a creator who knows you thoroughly. All that you do, all that you, all that you say, and all that you do, and all that you think. We are to live in a manner worthy of him, and in a way that honors him. That's what, you know, when we talk about the value of creativity, it's many things. God made us all creative. Some of us are musical. Some of us like words, spoken word. Some of us, some of us are just ridiculously creative and putting deals together. That's some of you guys, you know, ladies, some of you are incredibly creative in your homes, juggling four balls in the air at once and, and somehow making it all happen. God, God makes us creative in so many ways. He wants us to plug into that creativity, appreciate it, and thank him for it. And on top of that, he wants us to understand we have a creator who not only gave us creativity, but to whom we live our lives in a way that's going to honor him. That's why we value creativity. And that's why we thank God as our maker and our creator. In Jesus' name, we we thank him for that. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Help each one of us to recognize. And sometimes it's, it's, it's tough because of the categories that we all put on people. I'm not a creative type, or this, I'm, a, I'm a left brain, or I'm a right brain, or whatever. It's tough sometimes, God, for us to, to think outside of that. But help us to think about that. And you're a creative God, and you made each one of us with a creative streak in our own bent, in our own way. Help us to capitalize on that. In all of that, though, in all of that, God, especially, help us to stop and to recognize you are our creator. And our lives need to be lived in a way that are going to honor you. Not just in finding out where we're creative and using those gifts, but just in how we live our lives and the values that we have. Because you are our creator. You brought us here, and we're going to answer to you. And for that, we thank you for the, for the work of what Christ has done and will do in each of our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.